bridge Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about Jesus, cats, the Mile High Club, love in the air, showers, and a humanitarian mission. Let's get on with the show. You know, last month I was all about my my polar bear trip to Churchill, Canada, and I I liked the title for the podcast for last month, um, A Date with a Polar Bear in Churchill. And I guess there's a limit of the number of characters, so when I saw it on my iPad, it said, A Date with a Polar Bear in Church. (laughs) I had to go back and fix it, but people were probably like, A Date with a Polar Bear in Church. So I have two stories where I decided it was better not to explain something to the passengers. Sometimes you have to do some quick thinking and and decide whether it's worth explaining or not explaining. So I was in the gatehouse waiting for my commuter flight, and this guy was talking about how he had just come in from Amsterdam. And he's talking to this other guy, and he's all excited. He's like just, he's just bursting. And I'm just listening. I'm looking at my phone, but I'm listening. And uh, he says that... uh, He's like, you're never going to believe it. You're never going to believe what happened on my flight. You're never going to believe it. And the other guy's like, what? And he goes, oh, my gosh. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh, There were two flight attendants went into the bathroom together. They were going to do the Mile High Club. Two female flight attendants went into the bathroom together. He's like, you never think of the Mile High Club as two cute female flight attendants. And I'm thinking... And he's, he's talking about the crew rest door. The crew, <laughs> crew rest door is right next to the bathroom. It looks just like a bathroom door, but we have a key to get in. He didn't notice the key. And you, what, why would you be thinking that? Um, a lot of people don't even know we have a crew rest area. It just looks like a bathroom door. And he saw two flight tents go in there. We, we, the, the timing, we always go in at the same time because, you know, that's, they give us the time when we were in a rush and we go in together. And um, so he thought they were joining the Mile High Club. So I thought, eh, no need to tell him. His story is much better. Okay, so the other one, I was working first class and there was one lady from a different country with different customs. Let's leave it at that, in a long dress. And when she would go to the bathroom, there would be like an inch of water all over the floor. Now, at first, we thought it was a leak. And so we cleaned it up with paper towels and everything. And then we were watching it and no water, no water, no water. But then the lady went in there again and it looks like someone's taking a shower in there. And so we cleaned it up. But, you know, we can't monitor 
the lavatories the whole time. We have a service. So we're doing this service, uh, the pre-arrival service. And then this passenger, male passenger comes to me and says, um, that there's water all over the floor in the lavatory. There must be a leak. And I was like, oh, no, there's not a leak. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, we have one passenger and she... I can't be sure what she's doing, but it seems like she's splashing water all over. Um, and that's why the floor's wet. It's not a leak because we've monitored it. It's only when she goes in there and he goes, oh, you mean she splashes water all over her face? And at this point, I could have said, no, I think she's washing some other parts. <laughs> but instead I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, I was working a trip and this lady comes on board she's sitting in first class but she seems iffy like not okay. sure about what's going on okay. um, so I show her to her seat and she was very excited she seemed very nervous okay. she sits down, she's in the first row and I offer her a, something to drink and you know a pre-departure right. beverage and she said no I'm good but she starts fidgeting with okay. her purse um, so she starts looking through her purse and I see her that she takes a lot of money like a wad of money oh. out of her purse and I'm like um, ma'am you might want to put that away <laughs> and she said I'm so sorry I've never flown in my life and I'm traveling for the first time because I just became a widow oh. so I'm going to California and I was like oh that's fantastic we were making a stopover <laughs> so she said um, you know what, can I just have a glass of wine? And I'm like, sure, red or white. She said red. I bring it to her. She chugged it in one swig. And I was like, well, this is going to be great. So we finish boarding. We're about to, to close the door. And I tell her, are you sure you want to go with us? Because she seemed very, very nervous. And she said, I have to do this. This is my first time ever to be able to do something like this. I'm going. We are going down the taxiway, and as soon as the engines start running, I'm sitting on my jump seat, literally in front of her, Hi. and she starts screaming to the top of her lungs, oh Jesus, and she starts going back and forth and rocking, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, all the way as we're taking off, it was so loud that all the customers are looking down the aisle to see what is going on. And I got a, ca a call from the fly deck as what? soon as we, as the wheels came up. Like, what's going on? What is there? happening back there? And I'm like, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting flight. She stopped in the stopover and she thought, she, she was asking me how much a cab will cost her <laughs> to finish the trip to California. <laughs> That whole lot of cash that you had. Yes, she did not want to keep flying. That was it. Ever since the pandemic, uh, I don't know, or maybe it's just people have changed. I don't know, but it's just more. There's more lost people at the airport, and I commute in, so I have hours at the airport. And in order to get a little exercise and to kill some time and have less time in the flight attendant lounge. I walk all the concourses in the airport. And it takes me like a half an hour and um, passes the time, get some exercise. But lately, because <laughs> now I'm in my uniform, I've been counting the number of lost souls that I run into. 
walking. I'm walking underneath the concourse where the train is. So how many, so each time it's like, okay, let's see how many lost souls we'll see today. And usually it's about five. <laughs> and um, I offer to help them. I see them. They're looking at everything. You can just tell they have this look of just utter confusion. They don't know what to do. It's in English. And almost all the time, these people speak English, but it's just a foreign environment from them. So I say, do you need help? And they're like, yes. So one day I'm walking and there's this, I don't know what kind of handicap she had, but she had some sort of physical handicap. I'm behind her, but she's walking really fast. And I was kind of thinking, good for her. You know, she's, uh, she's really booking it. She must be just trying to get some exercise. And so I finally catch up to her and I realize she's crying. And I said, are you okay? And she's like, I'm lost. And she was like, <laughs> and I was like, it's okay, it's okay. You just tell me where you're going, and I'll 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 tell you how to get there. And she's like, <gasps> and you know, oh, I just I just felt so horrible for her because she's she's got a physical condition, a handicap, and she's lost, and she's so upset she could barely talk. So I was just like, it's okay, it's okay, just calm down, just it's okay, just take a few minutes, and then tell me where you're going, and I'll tell you how to get there. And so. I tell her how to get there. And she's looking at me like I'm some angel. And she goes to hug me. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, it's COVID and everything. I'm like, you don't have to hug me. <laughs> it's no problem. I live here. I was talking to this pilot in the galley. And it was a plane where they, for their crew rest, they have a regular first class seat. And it just has a curtain that goes around it. A lot of our airplanes, they have their own designated crew rest area. They're not in the cabin. But on this plane, he was there. And he was getting some coffee, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but he said, oh, yeah, well, I think I mentioned something about uh, maybe you don't like that as well, you know, being in the cabin with a curtain. He said, well, we had a pilot recently get fired. And I was thinking, really? Because pilots, it's, they're pretty, they don't get fired very often. You know, they have a lot of training and hours put in. It's a big deal for them, you know, if they get fired. He said, yeah. He was in crew rest with one of these planes where you're just in the cabin with a curtain. And he, I'm trying to put this politically correct, uh, PG-13, uh, the pilot decided to pleasure himself with his hand. And there was a break in the curtain that he didn't realize. And a first class passenger saw him doing an un, something you're not supposed to do in public <laughs> through the curtain that was ajar, and he got fired. Ouch. So we're doing the rockets, you know, the Sao Paulo rockets, and then this flight. But that just means you go there and come back. Fast. Yeah, overnight. Yeah. That we work overnight, both, both legs. So we, my friend, the flight attendant was going down the aisle, and she sees this passenger holding the dog uh, the cat and she's like ma'am this cat has to be in the cage you know you cannot hold the cat the passenger looks at her and says it's not my cat like, what do you mean it's not your cat <laughs> it's like it was walking in the aisle I just stole it <laughs> it's not my cat so, so she had to page in the middle of the night wake up people to see where who, you know, who the cat belongs to <laughs> He was another passenger on the other side of the aisle. The cat was just walking around. On the aisle. It's not my cat. <laughs> it's not my cat. I just found it. <laughs> 
I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You took an extra second or two, went to my website, bettingthesky.com, clicked through any of the Amazon links. It doesn't cost you any more, and I like to see what people buy. This past month, people bought a funny couple aprons, and the picture showed, I had to click on it to see what the picture showed. One of the aprons said, I like her buns, and the other one said, I like his meat. <laughs> 10 people bought the airline pocket, the cloth thing that goes over your tray table and all the pockets so everything's clean. It doesn't take up any room in your bag. I have it on my website. And then somebody else bought uh, the Grumpy Monkey. I thought that was a cute name for a kid's book. So if you do if you think of it, you can even bookmark it so it doesn't take you very long at all. Just click through my website, bettingthesky.com, and I thank you so very much. A love plane, love exciting and new. Come aboard, we're expecting you. Love, life's sweetest reward. Let it fly, it flies back to you. Now, this is a very nice story. Uh, working over to Europe, and um, I call the person who's in your cabin when the other people are on crew rest my break buddy, because um, you spend a couple hours together and, you know, get to know each other, and it's always good to have a good break buddy, because otherwise it's a long couple hours. So this girl was great. Uh, she was telling me a bit of her life story in that her husband had died 12 years ago, and she hadn't been on a date since, and now her kids are grown, and she didn't know really how to start dating. She didn't really want to do the online. So we were just talking about that kind of stuff. So the next day, she's on break. She's a different break buddy. And this guy, we we're coming back from Rome. So this guy comes back to the galley to ask for red wine. And they start chatting. And they start hitting it off. And he is also a widow. And he has a house in Italy. And they were just like chatting, chatting, chatting for hours. And it's unusual. You know, the love plane doesn't come around all that often. <laughs> So um, the other flight attendants, so he's back in his seat now. We're about to do the other service. And the other flight attendants are like, you need to give him your number. You need to give him your number. And she was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. So we had this cute uh, young male gay flight attendant. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll tell you what to do. So he went and got this bottle of red wine because he was drinking red wine. He got We have like masking tape on the plane. He put tape on the bottle and then he wrote her name and her phone number. And then she's like, well, I'm not going to give that to him. And he's like, I'll do it. So he went up to the guy and he goes, this is from your favorite flight attendant. So we do the arrival service and then he comes to the back and he asks her out and they were going to share the bottle of red wine with her name on it on their first date. How sweet is that? The love plane soon will be making another run. The love plane promises something for everyone. Okay, so I'm talking about love in the air. So did anything ever happen to you? Yeah, I've got kind of an interesting one. <laughs> I was uh, working flights between Raleigh and Memphis. And there was a very handsome gentleman on board who I chatted with and uh, turned out he was going to be spending time in Memphis regularly where I lived for treatment in a hospital. And he asked me if he could uh, get to know me and spend some time with me because he was going to be spending time in Memphis off and on for several months at a time. He's just really, really 
sharply dressed and total gentleman and so I said sure you know that'd be nice so he said here's my phone number you know give me a call I'd love to, to take you out and nice. uh, I'll call you you know so I'm excited and we set up the first what I call date which was lunch and um, I remember I was so nervous about what I was going to wear I was excited I hadn't been on a date in a long time and uh, he picked me up and we went to this wonderful wonderful restaurant and we're having just a great time together and I'm really excited about this. <laughs> and about halfway through the lunch, he starts telling me how he and his partner won oh. Yard of the Month. And then my heart just hit this part. That's why he was so sharply dressed. Yes. But I have pretty good gaydar. <laughs> yeah. um, most of us do. But boy, I didn't have but I mean, I just was like, my heart broke. Yeah, I bet. This next story is from one of my favorite podcasts, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me by NPR. This week, passengers on a flight in Nepal were surprised after their plane landed and they were all asked to blank. Bow down? No, asked to get out and push the plane to the oh. gate. <laughs> oh, it was a Southwest flight? Apparently. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Spirit air, come yeah. out, right? <laughs> no, after the plane got a flat, apparently, passengers were asked to deplane and then help get it to the gate by pushing on its giant tires. Oh, my God. Everyone knew something had gone terribly wrong when the pilot got in the intercom and said, uh, hello, uh, are there any CrossFit instructors on this thing? <laughs> so I'm in the gatehouse, and there's a couple, it's an old couple, they looked pretty old. Uh, but they were real talkative, and there was a, another guy that people would consider old, but he didn't seem very old compared to the other couple, and uh, they're chatting, and I'm, you know, minding my own business, but I'm listening, and uh, the woman says about her husband, she said, he's 103, <laughs> and uh, he's he kind of like gestured with his hands, he said, ah, good genes. Because, you know, they were active and still traveling, and he's 103. So the other guy, who was, I don't know, 75? I don't know. He was a lot younger than the one that was 103. He could have been 80. I don't know. But he was younger than, than the couple where the husband was 103. And they were chatting, and he said, well, I have good genes, too. My dad is Eugene, and my mom is Jeannie. So I have good genes. I thought it was cute. I got this email from 15-year-old Declan, and I bet you Declan was thinking, she never responded to my email. How disappointing. I thought it would be more exciting, Declan, if you heard your email on the podcast. You wrote, hey, Betty, I love the podcast so much. Keep it up. Here's something I thought you might find interesting. I'm 15 years old, and I love flying so much that for my birthday this year, my dad gave me his miles and said I could go anywhere I wanted. I just needed an adult. Thus, my grandmother and I embarked on a very quick 36-hour trip from Orlando to New York to Chicago to Atlanta and to Melbourne, Florida, where I live. This is how the trip worked. 
We boarded our first flight in Orlando on an Airbus 321 and flew to LaGuardia. This was my first time in LaGuardia and my first time in New York City. Something interesting about this flight was that it was so turbulent we cruised only at 27,000 feet. The second flight of the day was to Chicago O'Hare. I was so excited because this flight was on a no other than the brand new Airbus 22300. The interior of the aircraft was spacious. It was an amazing twilight flight and we got some amazing sunset photos. The next day we boarded our 8:30 a.m. flight to Chicago. And then finally we boarded a 737-800 that was going to take us to my home. It was such a fun trip, but crazy it was all in less than 48 hours. We left Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time and we're back by 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. Anyway, I just really wanted to share this with you because I know how much you love to travel and this was my favorite travel experience ever. (laughs) Thanks, Declan. That was great. At some point... Any of this COVID talk is going to seem really dated because people find the podcast and go back and listen. And hopefully, let's all pray that they'll be like, why does she keep talking about that old dumb virus? Nobody cares about that anymore. (laughs) Let's hope that's the case. Anywho, at the moment, when you're choosing a destination, the COVID testing requirements are super important and can be very cost prohibitive depending on the requirements of where you're going, the amount of time and the type of test. They add significantly to the cost of your trip. I took a teeny tiny little trip to Bonaire in December and I'm only one person. I talked to some people on that trip and they were saying that if there's like three or four of them, the cost of the testing is more than their hotel room. So you really have to think about that. And who wants to have to think about that? But it's, it's difficult. So um, if you need a rapid PCR test, which is what I had to get to go to Bonaire, because you had to have it within 48 hours. And you can't count on, and you can't, you have to get the form filled out before you can get on the flight. So there's no way you can count on, uh, at least in the United States, the free test. They're supposed to be back within 48 to 72 hours. But if you need a test within 48 hours, you can't count on that. And passengers miss their flights every day. I see it every day where people miss their flights and miss a night of their hotel that they already paid for. And uh, it's just, it's, and I hear passengers complain about it. And I say, I get it. It's difficult. (laughs) It's the whole thing is difficult, depending on what kind of test you need and how much it costs. And then the forms you have to fill out. So I was going to Bonaire and um, I paid, oh my gosh, it was so expensive to get the rapid PCR test because I had gone to the other place and I'd, and I don't even want to go into it. I'd spent three hours one day just trying to get this test. And then uh, I realized I couldn't get it at the place I was at. They only did rapid antigen tests and I had to have a rapid PCR test, blah, blah, blah. So then I go to the other place that's around here that does that type of thing. And they were like, oh, we don't have any appointments till late tomorrow. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. I'm leaving. So I said, if I sit around the parking lot, can you see if you can get me in? And thank goodness I did that because, uh, and then, so then I had to, to, you have to fill out the form online. It's usually a health form. It's different for every country. And in Bonaire, you had to get a test. People were complaining and I can understand why they were complaining that uh, you have to get another test 
on your day five, and then you have to get a test, of course, to get back in the United States. So it's a lot of testing. But I was only going for three nights, two full days. So I wasn't going to be there for the day five testing. And that that form, it didn't understand because I guess most people stay for a week. So it wouldn't let me complete the form. It wouldn't let me do the submit unless I made the appointment for my test on day five. But I wasn't going to be there on day five. So eventually I had to like shut off that computer, try it on my iPad, try it again. And finally, eventually it said, we will contact you about your test on day five. And I was thinking, okay, well, that's fine. And it finally let me submit. So I had filled out that form like three times. So I get to the, 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 so I get to the gate and I've gotten my tests and I got my form. I'm ready to go. And I'm at the gate and the agent goes, I don't think you're going to be able to go today. And I was like, why? She goes, well, your form's wrong. And I was like, my form's wrong. I'm thinking it had something to do with uh, the lab for my rapid test or the because I'm not going to be there on day five. And she goes, your form's wrong. And I was like, what's wrong with my form? And she said, it says your mail. And I was thinking, oh, big freaking deal. <laughs> I must have the third time I was, you know, getting frustrated. And I guess I clicked on it wrong. And she's like, I don't think they're going to let you in because it says mail. And I said... I'm transitioning. <laughs> and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, usually you can't ask about that stuff. That's, you know, <laughs> that's off the table. And she goes, well, I don't know if they're going to let you in with that. I'm like, I'm going to risk it. <laughs> they didn't even look at it when I got there. This next story is about a military charter, and eventually I get it out of her, but I thought I should tell you ahead of time so it's not confusing. It's a military charter uh, for an Afghani evacuation. So you thought you've always wanted to do a military charter? Yes, yes. The rest of these flight attendants had all done these military charters before. Right, they, like it's a regular and thing for yeah, them. Yeah, they had extra tote bags full of uh, coloring books and diapers. Oh change of clothes for babies they were so prepared and I felt so blessed flying with them just because of that and we had something that was made the uh, trip even more wonderful we had a flight attendant who grew up close to the Iranian Afghanistan border she spoke the dialect that passengers spoke on the flight okay so but just to explain why would you need um, changes of clothes for babies and things? Well, because, you know, you just don't know how long these pa- our passengers had been waiting for our airplane. So you were basically, like, um, evacuating? Yes, yes. Bed. They had no luggage. They had just the clothes on their oh back. Oh, my gosh. They had nothing with them. Nothing. 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 Wow. They, they left family behind. They left spouses behind. Our passengers waited... 10 days for us. Wow. So, but you were taking the people out of Afghanistan, is that right? Like, that's where they were? At one point, yes. Okay, yes. Yes. That was the mission. There were 10 flight attendants, there were three pilots, two corporate security, and two mechanics. Just in case. Who were very, very valuable, and I'll tell you why. So, after we laid over in Dubai, we ferried the plane to Dubai. It was interesting flying over, over Egypt, and it was just desert out the windows. It was really interesting different terrain right by um, our APU wouldn't start no our auxiliary power unit and 
it got to 103 degrees oh on the airplane and we kept opening and closing the boarding door to let the mechanics in and out but to try to keep the heat out and flight attendants were taking off their pantyhose <laughs> and scarf <laughs> I pulled my hair up pulled all my curly hair up uh, with my neck scarf and uh, it, we were just like Lord please let this start and the cab said you know we're, it's not working properly we're not taking you know, we're oh, going to have to cancel people, the mission. And these people have been waiting for yes. so long. Yes, so mechanics came on the airplane, off the airplane. They're just sweating. Yeah. Just sweating. So it was very hot, and the mechanics were working very diligently to fix our APU. Yeah, so that you could save the people. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. So you could complete our mission. And so, lo and behold, the captain said, all right, we're going to try it two more times. That's it. And sure enough, it fired up. Great. So we started boarding. I was at the boarding door with uh, my co-worker who spoke their dialect, so that was wonderful. The people were so gracious and thankful and very, very nervous at the same time, you can imagine. Yeah. So they had no luggage. Uh, very few had a backpack, you know, and... They were, had been given showers, and they had been given food, and they had been waiting for us 10 days. Um, we had 200 people in coach, so the people were dressed very, very nice. I think these people were edu very educated. Really? Most of them spoke a little English, and a beautiful. the men had beautiful silk vests on, and um, they were... Most of the people were fairly young in their 30s and 40s, lots of little kids. Were interest, it was interesting to watch their expressions when they boarded the airplane because I don't know how many of them had flown before or not. They're looking around. But, uh, yes, you know, at the light switches, the call lights. Um, this seat belt, and when we took off, you could hear a pin drop. It was very quiet. And uh, my gym seat happened to face this little boy with the biggest brown eyes. But he, he just felt like he was on a spaceship, probably. <laughs> so um, that was really, you know, it very, touching. it was very touching. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you don't have anything, the yeah. airplane food can be exciting. And yeah, that little boy, he, he was so cute. I saw him pick up a cucumber slice and taste it. And he handed it to his dad. Like, take a bite. <laughs> it's crunchy, you know. Just things like that. But I thought it was interesting that when we, because um, it was still, you know, the afternoon in Germany when we were landing. And you know how beautiful Central Europe is on approach when it's not foggy. It's just beautiful out the window. Very lush, very green. Right. The chatter on descent was just amazing because they were all chattering about what they were seeing out the windows. Right. These nice manicured farms with hedges and, and everything and neat and tidy. Our normal passengers don't even look out the window. No, no. <laughs> and they never see anything so green. Right. It was so green and lush that day. Yeah, instead of the desert. Yeah, so, you know, for them to see that, it was just uh, an education in itself. So I had a flight, you know, it's the holidays, things get messed up and there was all kind of shortages because of COVID, because of everything. And uh, the, the, uh, anyway, there were a lot of delayed flights and we were on a flight to Rome and we had to switch planes and there was a lady who was in first class and we can't find her. We're switching planes. She was passed out in the lavatory. 
And uh, it turns out she had taken a sleeping pill before we pushed back. We hadn't pushed back. And she took whatever she took, or she took more than one. <laughs> so now we got to switch planes. So we eventually got her up and out of the lavatory. But I would say in the future, if you're going to take a sleeping pill, you should wait probably until we're in the air. So this story, I'm probably going to have to do some explaining because the other flight attendants and I all thought this was really funny. But unless I do a lot of explaining, I don't think you guys would understand what we're talking about. So we're going to London and different countries have different regulations um, for passengers and for crew. And so in London, we have to fill out like a customs declaration form stating what we're bringing in the country. Basically, they don't want you to sell anything. So they, they you have a limited amount of cigarettes, cigars, alcohol. So they want to know how much you have and it has to be in their regulation. One of them's even perfume. How much perfume do you have? <laughs> so that's a customs form. Okay. And we have to fill that out in briefing. And then for the longest time, most of my career, we had a hotel sheet where we would fill in our names, our employee numbers. And um, there would also be a little remarks thing section. And sometimes people would write on there, you know, can I have a room facing the front? Or can I have a room not near the elevator? This was the hotel sheet, which they've gotten rid of because it's all automated. Okay, so we don't have that sheet anymore. We don't have the hotel sheet, but we still have this custom sheet that goes to the British government. Okay, and it is a customs declaration that wants to know how much alcohol, cigars, cigarettes, perfume you have. So, signing up. And this flight attendant writes on the custom sheet that goes to the British government. May I have a shower, please? <laughs> and at first, I was just thinking it was funny because all the rooms have a shower. Why? What do you mean, may I have a shower, please? Um, but she meant these are teeny tiny rooms in London. So uh, if you get uh, the, the normal room has a bathtub with a shower in it, but there's like a handicap room that has just a shower without the tub and it's bigger. And so the whole room is bigger because so, it's handicap accessible. You have to get a um, wheelchair through there. So she wanted that. And in her mind, that's why she was writing to the hotel. May I have a shower, please? But we don't have the hotel sheet anymore. So she's written this on the government form may I have a shower, please? Which they're probably thinking, what the heck is this? She's coming to London. She wants a shower. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be writing how much alcohol you have, how many cigarettes you have. And she's writing, may I have a shower, please? So we thought this was really funny. And so we were just having a little bit of a joke with her. And I said, um, uh, when you write that on there, do you get your shower? And she's like, no, I've been doing this trip for months and I keep writing it on there and I keep thinking of a nicer way to say it. And it's like they aren't listening to me at all. And I'm thinking, yeah, because it's the British government. <laughs> they have no control over what hotel room you're getting. But I just let it go for a little while. And um, I was like, I hope you get your shower. And she's like, yeah, me too. So the next day I'm like, did you get your shower? And she's like, no, I didn't get my shower. I keep asking for it and, and they just won't give it to me. So, and then eventually I told her, I'm like, you're never going to get it because this is a government form. And it's a really strange thing to write on your government form. May I have a shower, please? I was on my way to Europe and I was cleaning the lavatories. Um, I know everybody would think that's a horrible job, but I don't mind doing it. Uh, nobody likes to have a dirty bathroom and 
People are just leave all kind of stuff on the floor. People are just very inconsiderate on the airplane. So I go in there with my gloves on and my Purell wipes and I clean it up. And so I go to open the lavatory and there's a lady squatting and she puts her hands up and goes, hiya! Like she's going to fight me because I opened the door. And I was thinking, well, it'd be really hard to fight with your pants down. <laughs> and plus, I'm just coming in to clean the lab and you didn't lock the door. Hiya! Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.